coming up on Pass the Secret Sauce. I believe there to be an easy button for all this because there's a tech solution to everything, right? Um, when in fact, Matt, apparently no easy button exists and it's sometimes thousands, tens of thousands, 100,000 lines of code to make it look the way you want. And that moves very slow for me, right? Um, I move way too fast. So that's been a big challenge. Um, another um, real big setback for me because being a thespian and in theater, uh, I did not possess the financial skill set, the financial discipline, the um, uh, really what was needed around the balance sheet and financial reporting and pitching to investors. I really lacked that. Like you can be very confident on the stage, but you have to know your numbers and, and dive deep. And uh, so, you know, in my 40s, I went back to, to school just for finance, right? Um, I feel like I had a good grasp of vision and leadership and, and uh, motivating people, but very deficient in uh, finance and very deficient in uh, just uh, different skill sets, just like Excel, right? For folks like me who didn't grow up using it so much. So I had to go teach myself that stuff or enroll in classes. And so uh, along the way, I've just tried to challenge myself and say, what are you deficient in? What do you struggle in? And go learn that. I'm not trying to be a master of all things, but I need to be in touch or aware the functionality of how finance integrates with marketing, integrates with technology, integrates with leadership, integrates with the balance sheet. Um, and that takes time or intentional learning. And that's that's been the biggest thing for me is to, uh, you know, sometimes I'm the oldest man on these uh, Zoom calls or in these classes, but I'm like, I don't care. Welcome to the show, I'm Matt Shields. On Pass the Secret Sauce, we unscramble the life stories, skills, and secrets from the most wicked smart minds and interesting people to uncover their experience and recipes for success that will help you get an edge on your own life. My goal is to help you rein in on the chaos that life throws at us by learning from other high achievers. If you're new to the show, we have episodes with founders, CEOs, investors, and leaders. So if you like to learn and are motivated to improve your life, then kick back and listen to our guests pass their secret sauce. Hey, good morning. Uh, this is Jeff Arnold. I am in the insurance technology space. Basically, our firm has uh, created technology that helps um, beat the insurance companies by finding missing discounts or helping consumers pay less for all types of insurance. Uh, idyllic and wonderful. Um, so my dinner table uh, was hopefully a representative of all dinner tables in the uh, late 60s and early 70s because I am an aged man. Uh -huh. um, it was, I mean, my, my uh, father, grandfather, great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather were all preachers, right? And so it was full of uh, theology, full of uh, the right thought, intentional kind of uh, being. Um, so it's a wonderful way to, um, to spend dinner, right? Wow. Wow. And, and so you came from a long lineage of, of, uh, you know, people that, that were spreading the gospel, spreading the word, I guess. Right. What, what, what um, how come you didn't want to go down that path? Is there. Yeah. You know, I, man, I get asked this question all the time. I was not built for the pulpit first. I cannot walk away from a good one liner. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I love it. I love it. <laughs> Here's a real quick story, if I can uh, bore your listeners no, with it, no, right? because this is an absolute truth. Um, in the in the Kentucky, where I grew up uh, originally, I live in Arizona now, but I grew up in Kentucky. Uh, 
when they used when you finished preaching my grandfather used to walk outside of the church and everyone would walk by and shake hands or whatever and i would always have to stand beside him or right behind him because i was a troublesome little kid and they wanted to make sure they knew where i was right front row stand beside me when we go out and this little old lady comes walking out at the end of the the sermon my grandfather just preached and she says uh reverend do you know how to mean any mistakes you made in the prayer today and me with my big mouth leans around the side of him and said, well, lady, he wasn't praying to you anyway. <laughs> so, so I was not cut out to, uh, to stand and deliver that kind of message. So that is funny. funny that story. is funny. So, so um, what got you into the insurance space? I mean, was this something that you went to school for? Is this something you kind of fell into? What was, what was the, you know, what was the catalyst that, that got you into that? Area. Yeah, I, I, I thought about this. Uh, I had to be intentional about it because I, um, you know, I, I've written five books, right? Mm -hmm. I'm fortunate to have four of them bestsellers. And it's not a pitch for the books, but it, it ties into the question. Um, it, the industry called to me when I was 14 years old, standing on a hay bale in Western Kentucky, working on the tobacco and hay farms. And I'll dive a little deeper in that if you have a moment. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm standing with my best friend, Chuck, at the time. And uh, we're in the middle of a hay field and uh, up drives this guy in a four door silver Buick with the windows up. This is important because it means he had air conditioning, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is 1970s. He steps out of this uh, four door Buick with a crisp white shirt and a tie on. And I asked my friend Chuck, hey, what's that guy do? And he said, insurance or something like that. Well, Fast forward a decade, um, I had uh, been in uh, Hollywood doing theater and stand-up comedy and thought that's the route I wanted to go because I'd always been kind of a thespian in school. Mm -hmm. And after being an abject, miserable failure, um, I uh, came home to Tucson to visit my mom and had to get a job to eat, rent, pay gas, you know, do, do whatever young men at 24 have to do. I answered an ad, as cliche as it sounds, for insurance salesman wanted. And so I fell into it, to answer your question uh, directly. I just fell into it. And here we are 30-something years later. Um, it has uh, helped fulfill any dreams I've had about success. It's challenged my leadership skills, my mathematical skills, every skill set, my detective skills. Um, and it's really been a wonderful provider for my family. So uh a great career, but I happen to fall into it, is what I say. But after writing all the books, I think the seed was planted about a decade earlier, and I just it, it germinated and grew and sprouted when it needed to. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes that makes sense. What what were some of the, um, you know, some of the early challenges? Did you did you uh, you you started working for someone? Did you ever create your own brokerage, or what was what was like yeah. that? What was that path to to you know starting your own thing? To entrepreneurship, yeah. yeah. So I, I worked for exactly 30 days, right? Just about five weeks um, for another firm. Um, and then I decided, you know, just the entrepreneurial bug in me or being an actor or whatever, you think you can do it better. Uh, so I just started my own. And at the time, it was called Jeff Arnold Insurance, right? And I mm -hmm. just used to make... Um, uh, if your listeners can remember the white pages, there used to be a big book that came out of the white pages. And I used to dial without exaggeration, 200 calls a day, every day, just going through the book, trying to get people to answer the phone to, uh, to, to, to buy insurance of all things. Right. So um, here we are 30 years later of um, bought 
40 plus insurance operations, ran two insurance companies, uh, now run a technology firm. And so it's it's been a great journey. Uh, it's been a great uh, challenge to the entrepreneurial spirit, right? Because there are uh, peaks that are really high and the highs are great. And there are valleys that are really low and uh, make you question everything. And so like any other career, it's been a wonderfully rewarding and fascinating journey i'm not done yet right i'm still a young man a lot to go and still a lot that i want to accomplish so yeah that's very cool and i'm curious you said that you um you know you were in theater and you're a thespian and that i'm curious did you ever take any um improv type classes at all by chance absolutely and studied i think that you did too right for uh for a while yeah i did yeah yeah i just i I was curious because i i i really i really feel like pretty well any entrepreneur salesperson whatever it is it's it's an invaluable skill to to have be able to just get the hell out of your mind right like just just be present and whatever happens happens and you'll go along with it so um would you agree would you see the same absolutely emphatically agree with you and in fact you talk about the dinner table earlier that's what i challenged my kids around the dinner table is the couple things right among many things is um um, your opinion of you is more important than anybody else's opinion of you and if you can define and master your own stage presence right be in that moment on the scene on the stage pull people in you can do anything mm-hmm. and seem like you know what you're doing. Yeah, right? and it's I mean, and, and I, I love that. I love that 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 mindset because that also that also has a, I guess, a personification of uh, confidence too, right? Like you yeah. you have to stand up and be okay with being in in that present place, whatever you're doing, and having that confidence. And again, you know, when you have that confidence to be able to 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 be able to present yourself or present your ideas, you know, people are going to follow you and and you know recognize that you know what you're talking about and and that. So, yeah, that's uh-huh. that's fantastic. I love it. I love it. it. It's awesome. And one of the rewards of um you know pouring that knowledge into your children is um, I have, I have four and and three of them are are out of high school now, and all of them spoke either at the graduation ceremony or at different times to the entire school. And I'm just bubbled with pride like any parent would be, but just the way that they own that stage and their presence there, that microphone, you knew they took some of that away, right? And so uh, it's like you were saying earlier, it's valuable, invaluable in any career choice to kind of go through that. Think on your feet really quick that improv teaches you, right? Uh, Codify, memorialize, uh, be intentional about what you're going to say, lean into it master pause right all these are great thespian skill sets so yeah yeah that's 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 powerful stuff i love that um okay so so you've you bought and sold a number of uh, or maybe you bought a, a number of insurance companies um what was i guess was that a, a move to be able to um uh you know scale yourself up quickly or what was the what was the thought process behind acquiring uh, a prop or acquiring the business rather than you know maybe opening up another office in that you know in that particular area. Yeah, uh, so just for clarifications, uh, uh, two insurance companies and uh, forty plus insurance, what you would call brokerages or agencies, right? Over the years and consolidated them. Um, and so there's a couple different ways to achieve growth in in any business, right? There's organic growth, right, which is you know some would say more profitable, but also much more difficult. Um, and the acquiring or aggregating um, just became easy for me in the uh, early two thousands because I 
partnered with the bank who ultimately bought my firm. And so I had their balance sheet behind me to go and buy whoever we wanted. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, who, that was interested that we could buy. Um, and, and it just made it really easy. And it was really easy to scale at that point, because when you have, um, you know, a large balance sheet behind you, it's easier to get access to capital. Um, um, but even the best balance sheets can be tested, as, as can be said by the bank, because uh, in 2008, that same bank that I was uh, using was a mortgage firm, too, um, billions of dollars um, in, in 30 plus billion in, um, in originations uh, went bye bye in 2008 and 2009, wow. part of the Great Recession. Right. Um, and so I had to start over at uh, 42 years old, which I don't recommend to anyone, <laughs> right? mm-hmm. but had done it once, figured we could do it again. Um, and that, that's kind of what led us to the technology space we're in now. Yeah, interesting. And, and uh, I definitely want to dive into the technology side of things. Um, so so was this sort of a shift where you said, I want to do things differently this time? Or was there um, a reason that you wanted to go down the technology space? Was it safer for some reason or any any thoughts there as to why you chose that that particular direction? Yeah, I've had a lot of introspection on this too. This question's a good question. Um, I've always been kind of a nerd or a geek, right? Which we used to be. This Geeks before the geeks inherited the earth, I was a geek, right? Before it was cool, <laughs> right? Um, and, you know, in several billion dollar companies that I was fortunate to work in after I started the agency and sold and then uh, consulted stuff. And then um, along the way, worked for multiple billion dollar companies. I learned a lot, uh, got all my leadership skills stretched. And uh, once, you know, like anything, once it's stretched, you can never go back to who you were. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but at all of them or both of those companies in another uh, startup I was involved in, I always met a roadblock on the tech side. And by tech side, I usually mean by IT department or programming. They're always just like, uh, I always felt like the redheaded stepchild. There's not enough resources to get you what you want. And so I was very intentional about, all right, I'm going to do it on my own. And we're going to get the best programmers, the best full stack developers, the best tech people we can get. And I'm going to drive this bus. I'm not going to have the brakes pumped on me and do it their way. And so that's, it's really helped because I knew the insurance space and I knew what I wanted to do in tech. I just never had command over the, you know, the direction of that. Um, and it's, it's been really cathartic. It's been wonderful. Um, we are, my little firm, RightShare, is the most awarded firm in insurance of this decade, right? Uh, every major publication in insurance has given us an award for best employer or best startup or best tech or everything. Again, it's a little chest thumping, but it feels good to, to, to be had the brakes pumped on me all the time and not get what I wanted to go out on my own again. And uh, then all of a sudden receive all these awards and accolades. It, it validates that your belief was right and your ideas were good. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and when you, when you went and made that leap, like you mentioned a couple of times now that, you know, your, your leadership ability was challenged and um, you know, once you, once you're stretched that way, you can't go back to, you know, being, they're looking at things the way that you used to. Um, and you mentioned that you're a nerd uh, or a geek. Did you have a coding background at that point? Or was this something that you just jumped in and, you know, figured out as as you went? No, just a question to coding. But I, I knew that, you know, um, th- there are people much smarter than me in every facet, right? Be it finance, be it marketing, be it management, be it leadership, be it coding. Um, align yourself with those people and get out of the way, right? So if you're a great leader, you can give direction and vision and cast the vision and get everyone marshaled together to, to, on the same page. Um, 
And, you know, coders might not want to be vision casters and finance people might not want to stand in front of a mic. Um, those are places I'm very comfortable at, uh, but I don't know the other um, and I don't want to learn it. Right? Mm -hmm. And other people are much smarter. So adapt their skills and, and, and leverage their skill sets, give them a part of uh, the equity and let's all grow together. Yeah. And, and how would you, again, making that leap into an area that you, into a, you know, an industry, a vertical that you may not necessarily know anything about. What was, what was your approach? Like you mentioned, you obviously find the, find a person who knows more about it or is an expert, but how do you know that you found the right expert when, you know, when you were walking down that path? Because again, like you could go on Upwork or anything like that, and I'm sure you'll get, you know, 200 replies, but yeah. you know, what, what was, what was your process on weeding out and, and, you know, finding that right person. Maybe it didn't happen right away. Maybe you had to go through a couple of people in order to be able to get to the right, the right point. But I guess what, what was your process to be able to, to get that all off the ground? Yeah, quite, quite candidly, I don't, I don't think I've achieved it yet. Right. I mean, you've, you, uh, you, you've seen, if you can visualize or your listeners can visualize that, that path to success, right. That cartoon that it's not a straight line, it's a squiggly line. It goes 50 mm -hmm. different ways. So yes, to validate what you said earlier, I've used Upwork, I've used Fiverr, I've used all these places that uh, you can outsource code or buy code. And then, uh, uh, and then it changed my mind. And so uh, I don't believe we've arrived at our final destination yet. I get set back every day like everyone else, but you got to get up, uh, put your feet on the ground and charge for it every day. I feel like we're headed in the right direction, but I'm also keenly very aware that there are more detours, more free falls mm -hmm. <laughs> right? uh, along the way. Um, Anytime you put an idea out into the universe, the universe is going to challenge you to make sure, A, you're committed to it, B, to prove that you might be wrong somehow. And you, you have to lean in and, and, and fight that sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. So we're not where I want to be yet. And my industry, like any other industry, I don't mean this derogatorily. This is just how I say it as a man of my age. Some kid somewhere is sitting in his kid's basement and tinkering with our business model and your business model, and they're going to disrupt the entire world, right? And so I'm always trying to get in touch with these, um, these people who aren't encumbered by the it can't be done that way thing. They're just going to come and do it. And so uh, I lay awake uh, thinking about those kids, for lack of a better word, all the time, right? Yeah. Staying, trying to stay connected. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. I love that. Um, so what would you say when, when you when you decided I'm going to go this tech route, what were some of the challenges that you were trying to overcome? Yeah, a big part of it is um, uh, me. The problem is me, right? Like I believe there to be an easy button for all this because there's a tech solution to everything, right? Um, when in fact, Matt, apparently no easy button exists and it's sometimes thousands, tens of thousands, 100,000 lines of code to make it look the way you want. And that moves very slow for me, right? Um, I move way too fast. So that's been a big challenge. Um, another um, real big setback for me, because being a thespian and in theater, uh, I did not possess the financial skill set, the financial discipline, the um, uh, really what was needed around the balance sheet and financial reporting and pitching to investors. I really lacked that. Like you can be very confident on the stage, but you have to know your numbers and, and dive deep. And uh, so, you know, in my 40s, I went back to, to school just for finance, right? Um, I feel like I had a good grasp of vision and leadership and, and uh, motivating people, but very deficient 
in uh, finance and very deficient in uh, just uh, different skill sets, just like Excel, right? For folks like me who didn't grow up using it so much. So I had to go teach myself that stuff or enroll in classes. And so uh, along the way, I've just tried to challenge myself and say, what are you deficient in? What do you struggle in? And go learn that. I'm not trying to be a master of all things, but I need to be in touch or aware of the functionality of how finance integrates with marketing, integrates with technology, integrates with leadership, integrates with the balance sheet. Um, and that takes time or intentional learning. And that's that's been the biggest thing for me is to uh, you know, sometimes I'm the oldest man on these uh, Zoom calls or in these classes, but I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, and I, I love I love that you have the the uh, you know the the self um, the self awareness to know you know where you do lack, where you are struggling, because there's I think there's there's a lot of people that you know they just jump. Well, I mean, there's there's something to be said about just jumping in and sort of figuring it out, but but knowing that hey, there's something here that I need to you know get better on. You know that's that's a huge, that's a huge uh, uh, skill set that I think a lot of people um, you know, are lacking. Uh, so, so when you were looking at what you wanted to do in technology, um, you know, what were the what were the things that you were trying to impact with that technology? Like, was there was there a blocker? Was there something that you felt like was missing? Like, like you mentioned the easy button. I don't like. I I think of insurance and. We'll get into some of the things that we that we do within insurance and that, but you know, I think of insurance and it's you know confusing and there's all kinds of different riders and policies and you need this and that and I mean was was it just you know kind of like a push button simple thing to to make the entire insurance process easier or what was what was your your thesis or what was your your idea that you were trying to impact with that technology? Yeah, so the first is I I view insurance differently than most, right? Like we sell legal contracts. That's what we do, right? At the end of the day, it's sell legal contracts. And then I know I'm a party of one, but I view the insurance industry as the industry of all things fun, sexy, exciting, and just plain awesome. I know I'm on an island there, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But that message resonates when we're talking to our staff, our employees, or recruiting people like, what? Insurance is that way? Absolutely, it can be, right? And let me just, if I can take a little detour, a little rabbit hole here for a second. So um, for even Elon Musk is starting his own insurance operations now, right? Of course, it's going to be successful. has a lot of capital to throw at it and, and can aggregate lots of brain share. But let's say you like math. Well, insurance needs all kind of actuary folks, right? Um, let's say you like detective stuff. Well, they have to investigate fraudulent claims all day because guess what? Uh, a lot of people pay a lot of insurance premiums and at one claim, they want to get it all back, right? So some commit fraud, not everyone, but some, right? and there are rings that develop in that. So you have investigative skills. Let's say you like to teach, right? The industry needs people who can teach. Let's say you're an extroverted. My God, you, you have an unlimited income in sales in the insurance industry, right? Um, or if you have a bent towards management and, and leadership, every company has a great thirst for people to lead their rapidly growing enterprises. So I said that to say this, that this industry, like any others, can satisfy any need you have. The hangup is people see the word as insurance is boring, right? It's the minute you say it, eyes glaze over and a yawn comes out. And so... Uh, I, I've been uh, given the title. I did not take this title. It was given to me by multiple people as the ambassador for the insurance industry. And if that's on my tombstone, that's great because I'm speaking it, not even for my company, but for the industry overall, it's a great place for great talent to come to come be. So I, I probably went way off the question. No, no, <laughs> no, that's all right. 
No, no, no. I, I, I like that you're, because, uh, you know, I, I thought the exact same thing, like coming into this, I'm like, oh, insurance. Okay. That'll be interesting. But, um, but, <laughs> you know, it I, fun. yeah, no, I mean, it, it, I love the approach that you're taking to it. And, and I, I agree. I mean, there are so many different facets to the insurance industry that I guess I never really, you know, I never really, uh, you know, took those different parts and pieces, uh, you know, into consideration. So, um, so, so with the, uh, on the technology side, explain what the, the technology, you know, is, does, is it a consumer facing thing? Is this something that you're using to make it easier for people? What, what, how, what, how does it work or what is it, what does it do? Yeah, all, all the above. And so really what started, um, again, as we talk about in my back on the technology piece, it's, um, uh, there's a lot of uh, the call it insure tech technology has been brought to bear in our industry, just like in everything, insure tech, food tech, ag tech, whatever tech, right? Tech's changing, uh, enhancing every industry. Um, but on the insurance space, I mean, it's, it, you know, most insurance companies have two feet on the brake and no feet on the gas, right? They're just slow, methodical, monolithic uh, turtles, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's how they move. Um, there are some firms that are coming out to change that, but I'm trying to keep both feet on the gas, right? And disrupt how things are done. And, and the, the way we're doing it um, from a technology standpoint aligns really like one of my books talks about how to beat your insurance company, right? And what we challenge people and what our, our staff challenge people is, if you think about how much you're going to pay in your lifetime, this is where people gloss their eyes over. Don't just stay with me, right? Because it's insurance. <laughs> Think about how much you're going to spend in your lifetime. When you're young, it's just going to be auto insurance or renter's insurance. Then you're going to need life insurance. You need home insurance, medical insurance, uh, RV insurance, plane insurance, jet insurance, whatever. When you start aggregating those and look back over your life, you're going to spend hundreds of thousands. Most people, more than 300,000, right? dollars in their lifetime on this product called insurance <clears throat> and the driver for them is so wrong because billions of dollars has been spent on advertising spend 15 minutes save 15 percent well hey it's matt if you've been listening to my podcast for a while you know that i've connected with hundreds of extremely successful entrepreneurs We've interviewed multimillionaires, a few billionaires, top marketers, technologists, brokers, and so, so many more. Many of our guests have even landed on the Fortune 5000 or even the 500 list on at least one occasion. These people are doers, and these are the type of leaders that you want to be connected with and learn from. This whole thing started because I know that the fastest way to success was following others who have done what I'm looking to do first. We created Pass the Secret Sauce so that we could get our own business questions answered and that we could get access to the best minds in business. You see, entrepreneurs are my people, and I truly enjoy connecting with and learning from other successful business owners, and I wanted you, my listeners, to be the first to know about something new coming out. We're calling this 99 Entrepreneur Strong, and it's a community of like-minded business owners just like you who want to learn from and connect with other business owners to create generational wealth together. 99 Entrepreneur Strong is a community of individuals just like you who want to strengthen their business, learn what techniques are generating revenue for other business owners, and perhaps even collaborating on future projects and products. The goal is to get your business growing so that you can begin creating generational wealth. 
As you probably know by now, we invest in large multifamily opportunities, and we want to help our network of entrepreneurs be able to do the same. Some of my best friends are business owners, and it's so much fun being able to create opportunities and grow together. With 99 Entrepreneurs Strong, you'll be able to network with people from all sections of industry, from investors looking to deploy capital to new opportunities, project managers looking for investors, marketing experts, contractors, mindset gurus, manufacturers, and so, so much more. I've been at this entrepreneur role for a while, and I know it takes a community to make just one business work. And the 99 Entrepreneur Strong community is my attempt to shorten your learning curve to get you plugged in to leading experts that you need fast. All this so that you can generate the capital to invest in other passive income opportunities, such as multifamily. Unlike other groups, 99 Entrepreneur Strong is a private organization that you have to apply for. Once you're approved in the group, we will match you with other entrepreneurs who we feel you will connect with. We hold monthly mastermind sessions where members will present their business story, what they need, and what they may be struggling with. And the group will offer suggestions, resources, or solve the business problems together. We also will hold other framework sessions throughout the month where other 99 Entrepreneur Strong members will present what they are currently doing in their own companies. Every session will be recorded and added to the library so you will have access to these resources whenever you need them. When you grow your business with scale, you can also impact other areas that are important to you. With the 99 Entrepreneur Strong Project, combined with our portfolio of multifamily assets and network of other entrepreneurs, our personal impact project is to eradicate the euthanasia of dogs. It's a lofty goal, but I know we can have huge impacts when we join together. So by applying to be a member of 99 Entrepreneur Strong, you'll learn how to make your business grow with tactical advice. You'll network and personally partner with other extremely successful individuals. You'll learn about other generational wealth building opportunities. And perhaps the biggest impact is that you'll help eradicate dog euthanasia. With that, I look forward to meeting you, learning from you, and helping you grow. To learn more, go to 99entrepreneurstrong.com. Insurance, like any other product is, you get what you pay for. I would submit to you this, that if you were to take your spouse or partner out to dinner and you took them to a steak place, you're going to pay much more than if you take them to a fast food place, right? We all agree with that. If you buy a Mercedes, you're going to pay more than a Hyundai. We all align there. Somehow, some way, we've been lied to or manipulated in the insurance marketing that it's all the same and you just get what you pay for. Well, it's not true. You get what you pay for. And if you pay the cheapest, you probably have bought a legal contract that is full of exclusions, writers, like you were saying earlier, that doesn't cover some things. And you, the consumer, bought it. But again, you think it's all the same because in insurance, they just somehow, oh, it's all the same. It's just about rate. And then our customers or policyholders found out at claims time how horrible it is. And that's how our industry gets a bad name. And so our technology in my book, How to Beat Your Insurance Company, we tell people, think about how much you're paying over the, the lifetime, right? And stop just trying to bifurcate these policies and just go to the cheapest, because again, you're just buying something full of exclusions mm-hmm. and think holistically about something that ties into each other, dovetails into each other. And then we tell them, our customers, our, our agents, our, we call them our famously friendly humans because that's what we're known for, famously friendly humans. So them, this is you know premium or price, 
if you don't want these things, let's start taking stuff out to get it to the rate that you want. Just understand that you only get what you pay for. So we kind of have this mission, right? Our, my books talk about how to beat the insurance company. Our famously friendly humans talk to them about educating them. And then our technology is at play in the background that we hug the customer tighter than anybody hugs them. At, at every mean life event, we'll say, hey, you're turning 50, might be thinking about life insurance, 65, might be thinking about Medicare. Looks like you have a 16-year-old in the household. Let's get them some driver training to save you some discounts. And then the big part about our rate guard technology is we've aggregated every discount ever published in any insurance company filing with the Department of Insurance and codified them into a database. Now, it's not a consumer-facing database. It's our database. And so um, if I can, I'm going to go a little geek on you in, in, no, in, no, in the, the geek world. And please, uh, don't. I hope your listeners don't close their eyes because this is the important part. And so when you think in discounts, you think, oh, I want... Um, uh, the most discounts I can get, right? Well, most companies have a cap. Some do, some don't. But let me give you some secrets in the industry, some, a dirty little book of secrets. I like a black book. Most people say, well, I, I'm a veteran. I want the veteran discount or I want the um, uh, military discount or I want the safe driver discount. When in fact, let's say those three together, the veteran, the safe driver and the accident-free discount, total 15%. So you're happy you got 15%. But our technology says, there's a better discount. It might be 25% if you bring your home and align it with your auto and then just take the veteran discount. Now that's at 30 versus 15. So you've saved a lot of money. But I mean, that's too noisy a message for companies to market. We have to have technology on the back end that does that. And um, just like a lot of people with youthful drivers may say that, uh, well, they're a good student. I want that. When in fact, that may only be a 5% discount, but if you um, attach a telematics, which is a paid by mile app and what sees how they're driving, you could get up to 30%, right? But again, it's such a boring subject. Consumers don't want to spend that much time. Like you and I have spent more time dialoguing and engaging than most people. They want to spend 10 minutes and save 15%, right? Yeah, right. But there's a way to beat the insurance company. Uh, of course, I would say it starts with my book and then uses right share on our technology, but you just have to be disciplined and methodical about it and, and not apply that wrong mentality of it's all the same. It's just about price because that exists in no other industry and it does not absolutely does not exist in our industry either. So that's my ambassador hat talking, right? Let's re-educate every consumer. So. Yeah, a lot that's, of words there, man. <laughs> no, no, no. This is this is good, and it's it's interesting too. And I, I I completely agree. You know, a lot of people may not necessarily look at insurance when you look at look at insurance as being you know as important as what it is. But when you when you add it up over the course of your lifetime, you know that is a heck of a, a heck of a, a chunk of of money. Um, and and obviously, if you get involved in other businesses or other things, you know you have other you know other policies that that come into uh, effect as well. So, I, I'm I'm going to use myself as a, a personal situation, and I'm curious, you know, how you would approach something like this using the technology. Um, so, you know, when you're obviously when you when you're uh, applying for insurance or looking for insurance, you know, you don't know what the future is going to hold, right? So um, as, as the listeners know, we invest in large multifamily apartment buildings. Uh, so we've got one building, uh, it's in uh, Shaker Heights, Ohio. We have a, a couple of different buildings in that area. Um, so we've, we've got quite a, quite a number of units, but um, we've got one building in particular, and this just happened a 
call it two, three months ago, something like that, right? So um, it's a brick building and uh, there's an attached garage and there's a parapet wall that's on top of the the garage. So it's like, a you know, it, it's probably eight feet tall, let's say, some Go seven feet it, tall, sure. something like that. Yeah. Um, one night at like 2.30 in the morning, boom, you know, this big, this big explosion, right? Or everybody thought that it was an explosion. Uh, everybody woke up in the apartment and, and started calling our, our service manager, you know, Hey, something just blew up. You got to get over here. You know? So, so when you came over there, like a hundred feet of the brick facing fell off of the wall. Right. So, and, and that fell down on top of the roof of the garage. So, uh, you know, we're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds of brick at this point that just, you know, fell over on top of the roof. And there's a retaining wall, a cement uh, retaining wall that's, that's behind that. So, you know, right away we called the insurance company and, and uh, they, they send out their inspector. And um, in the midst of all of this, there was another apartment uh, at the beginning of the year that had a roof collapse uh, in its parking garage. So the city was very sensitive because this is, you know, sort of been in the local news here. This is, you know, in my my local area. Um, so this 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 roof that fell, you know, was in the news. The city was taking all the precautions and basically said, "You guys can't park any garage. You have to evacuate the parking garage. You can park in our parking lot, you know, right next door. Um, but we need the sign off from from the uh, from an engineer saying that the structure wasn't damaged, right? So. Um, so in order to do that, we had to clean up the roof and, and we were trying to find out whether, you know, we were trying to get approval from the insurance company to be able to, you know, uh, handle this claim. So long story short, we found the contractor, they cleaned it up. They had the, uh, the inspector come out or the, the engineer come out. Everything's okay. We got the cars back in. Uh, and then, you know, we, we, we went through all of that in probably about a week or so. And then we went back to the insurance company and we say, okay, here's the bill for the cleanup. And we're waiting to get bills for, um, you know, for the, you know, for the, the replacement of the wall. Right. Um, so they said, well, you know, the, the, we're not sure if this is going to be covered yet or not. So going around in circles with them, they, they basically are claiming that, and I forget the exact terminology, but it wasn't a, like an instantaneous act. Right. So it wasn't like a fire came through and, and, you know, uh, broke this wall down. It, it wasn't a flood that caused this wall to fall down. Um, that the engineers have come to the conclusion that it was essentially ice that had, or, or water that had gotten down in there, then frozen and, you know, pushed it out a little bit. And then the next year it did it again and again and again. So it happened over a, 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 a period of time. So because it wasn't an instantaneous act, they're saying that they're not going to cover it. So, but the question, you know, long, long story to, to kind of set up the question coming back to, you know, how do you, how do you predict um, you know, for something that you don't necessarily know, like I would have never known that that wall was going to collapse when we were looking for the insurance, but how do you, how do you go about making sure that you have the right type of coverage for what you need? And then, you know, I, I guess there's always going to be those outliers that, you know, you're, yeah. you're, you're not going to, you know, be able to forecast. I don't know. Any, any thoughts on, yeah, on that? Absolutely. We could spend another whole subject on this, right? And so first of all, let's define for uh, for your listeners what, what we're talking about. In, in your space, what we call, we call that habitational risk, right? So you're in the habitational risk space. Um, and of course, those policies come uh, as varied as there are cars and food choices, right? They come really cheap with lots of exclusions, and they come with what we would call all risks. So everything's kind of covered, which some people use the term full coverage. That's not a real, real term, right? Um, but what 
what you are hearing is fact, right? If there is some seepage or damage that's occurring over time, there is a duty and obligation of the owner to be aware of this and, and take uh, preventative measures to, mm -hmm. to, to prohibit this, right? Um, it's it certainly, again, I don't know the policy language and an exclusion to this, and I'm not trying to walk away from it. it it's, it's worth uh, opening the policy, reading it, which no one wants to do, um, and, um, and, and figuring out and then saying, well, wh how do I get an all-risk policy um, to, so that this isn't a problem in the future? And I would say this um, to anyone shopping for insurance, stop exclamation point, underlined circle, stop just judging it by the cheapest price. Start asking sophisticated questions because insurance people spend a lot of time studying to be professionals and all just, you know, crazy salespeople. Um, they have to know this stuff. Start asking. So stop just judging price. Start asking important questions like, just tell me what's excluded. Talk to me about the exclusions because that's what you're buying, right? What, what you don't want to find out later, right? Because there are exclusions in everything, right? Um, I, I thought you were going to tell me they didn't cover all of the cars damaged for some reason, right? Because if there's ever coverage at play, then the insurance company doesn't have a duty to pay that. And so I thought you were going to say all these cars, they should have had comp and collision coverage. So that's the duty of the insurance company. But but um, yours is this. It's, it's worth um, pushing back on this particular case and saying, hey, can we get another set of eyes on this? Because uh, I, I don't believe this was a long-term neglect on our part. Mm -hmm. We had no knowledge, no warning of any seepage or, or damage. And so... Um, it's frustrating, first of all, it's a blight on our industry when these kind of exclusions come up. Um, I, I would ask for an arbitration. That's a, a big word. It's like, so you can go to a third party arbitrator to have them take a look. You, you have that right in most policies and the insurance company is going to honor that right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes, that makes sense. So, um, so what would, like you mentioned, you know, ask sophisticated questions and I, I like the, um, I like the, you know, what's not included uh are there any warning signs or something like like I, I don't know again you don't know what you don't know until you until you know it so you know are there any things that you would say like you know are sort of no go don't don't accept that kind of policy or um you know again i i wouldn't yeah. have known like if it wasn't an instantaneous act i'm like okay well if we don't have a fire if we have a fire then we're good but you know i would have never even put this together right so right. so like you said like i said you don't know what you don't know you until don't know. you know it so yeah uh, like what how do you how do you predict that you you have the right you know the right yeah. policy you know for your situation no it's 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 uh very intentional and get the right agent right so again online uh is proliferation right i mean everyone's to quote online because i don't want to talk to a person be sold by, by by someone right but i would say an insurance agent is much like a doctor and attorney they've got specialized knowledge and ask um let's there's so two quick things one um you said the fire and you'll find this interesting maybe in in our space whenever you see these uh, a lot of um uh hurricanes or floods all of a sudden you see fires break out and you're like how is there a fire People know flood may not be covered, fire, that's a covered peril, 
oh my God, a fire started, <laughs> right? So there's a lot of fraud. Uh, when you turn on the TV and you're like, it's flooded, there's a hurricane, how do all these fires start? Hit the gas line, torch it. Um, that, that happens, right? But we have investors that are very aware of that. And then for the second part, um, let's just make it easier for the vast majority of people because habitational is a little specific. Um, let's just take your home. You're like, how do you know? I don't want to violate any antitrust things and name certain companies that are full of exclusion because mm -hmm. there are, and that's why they're the cheapest, obviously, right? Not always the cheapest is bad, but as a majority, we all know, again, if you're going to eat fast food, that's different than a steak, right? You get what you pay for. But let's just make it easy because most people will have a home policy. It'll be the most important asset that they own. And these are some things they may not be aware of. First of all, in a home policy, flood is never covered, right? Flood is completely separate. And the government's done a pretty good job of educating people on that. Not everyone's aware and they find out at claims time, what do you mean water's not covered, right? Um, sewage and water backup is not automatically covered. What does that mean? You go on vacation, your toilet overflows, you come in and your house is full of your own excrement, sorry, and you find out sewage and water backup is excluded. You have to buy that back and add that on. Um, most of your guns or your wife's jewelry has a limit. Sometimes it's as low as $2,500. If you buy a really cheap policy, it may be $500. And so again, these are legal contracts. They're full of exclusions based upon the price you pay. Um, and so to answer your question is how do you know that it is figure out what these sublimits are. You don't have to be a geek about it, but ask um, your agent sophisticated question like this. What are the limits on my wife's jewelry? my gun collection, my artwork. I have a real quick horror story of a customer that had a um, significant amount of artwork. The cheapest piece was several hundred thousand dollars. Of course, assumed incorrectly that this million dollar house with all this artwork, it was just gonna be covered. Well, artwork has limits of let's just say 5,000. So when their arm gets put through it or it disappears, there's no coverage for theft or it burns, there's a limit, let's just say of 5,000, they have 500,000. You can see where lawsuits are gonna happen, but these legal contracts are pretty pretty solid, man. So again, we could geek out about this forever, but, but uh, it is caveat emptor, buyer beware and stop just basing it on price. That's my ambassador hat for today. <laughs> I love it, I love it. Uh, Jeff, if people wanna learn more about you, your products, your books, your services, what would be the best way to reach out and get in touch? Yeah, the simplest, easy way is my personal website, jeffarnold.com. It's jeffarnold, just like it sounds, .com. Love it, Jeff. Thank you for the time and insights. And uh, I, I, again, I, I can't stress this enough. I never really thought of insurance as being that big of a, of a burden in your lifetime. So, you know, they always say like your house is going to be one of the most expensive things that you ever that you ever make a purchase in, but you know, insurance is probably pretty close right behind it. So, uh, so certainly deserves that attention. Awesome, man. Hey, I had a wonderful time on your show today. Thanks so much for inviting me. No problem. Thanks for listening. And remember, pass the secret sauce.